Okay, guys, welcome back to the ATP Fitness Podcast with myself, Ian, and I'm delighted to have Conor O'Keefe on today, who's from Cork, and he's an ultra runner, and we'll explain more about what that is uh, soon enough. So we got Conor on, so we're going to speak about what he's done so far and uh, what a big goal he's trying to achieve uh, coming up in the future, but also we're going to be discussing mental health and just areas that you can kind of look at to really improve your own mental health and hopefully have a full understanding of what that actually means. I am going to give you a prerequisite warning. I've listened to a few of Connor's podcasts already. There will be language in this podcast and we're going to talk freely. Uh, so just you have that in that warning before we start. So Connor, thank you very much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Cheers, Ian. Thanks for having me on, my man. So like, I, I, I follow you and I listen to your podcast, so I do know a bit about you. I, I think I know a bit about you. Uh, for people who don't, uh, can you? How would you describe Conor O'Keefe to them? Um, I suppose I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm an ultramarathon runner and I'm a mental health advocate. I suppose that's what it says on paper. You know, um, I, I I would always see myself as just a normal dude who likes to do. You know, some people like to go surfing, some people like to jump out of airplanes. I like to run for long periods of time, um, and I suppose. Uh, have that as the physical way of kind of manifesting this uh, this mental health advocacy um, and like you know you were saying there about ultra marathon runners it sounds very very like uh, sounds very impressive like you know ultra running and ultra marathon and stuff like that anything that's over a normal marathon distance is an ultra run that's an ultra marathon so like a 50 kilometer run is an ultra marathon and the ones that I like to do are 100 mile runs, 200 mile runs, they're the ones that I like to kind of compete in and race in. So, again, like you've explained briefly about what, what the running is. I suppose we'll start with where you are now in the last couple of years and how running became part of your life, and then we might just jump back. But what made you take up running and what was your, what was your goal to, to reach when you started running, or was there a goal? Um, yeah, like I suppose. My, the best way that I can actually explain how I got into running was kind of to explain the years that kind of came before it. Yeah. Um, like I, I was initially, I suppose, if you're talking about my serious foray into sports, I was a boxer. I was a Thai boxer before uh, I was a runner. Uh, I found that in my late teenage years. You know, I spent an awful lot of my like adolescence and my kind of early teenage years as the kind of awkward kind of chubby kid, you know, and uh I carried an awful lot of weight as a young fella. I had a terrible diet. Um, I didn't. I wasn't as active as I probably should have been. And you know, like that—that that happens to some kids when they're younger. They're just not as active. They haven't found something that spurs them on to be active, or or they don't have something that they can focus on. You know. So I was a bit overweight, and uh, I like my treats. And uh, so when I decided when I was about 15, 16 years old that I was like, look, I'm actually just want to get fit and I want to get, you know, I don't want my life to be um, kind of curtailed by my weight, you know. So I started to train just for myself, just go to the gym. I used to go to the gym in Mayfield Community uh, Centre and uh, in, in Mayfield Community School. My old haunt. Huh? My old haunt in Mayfield, man. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm originally from Mayfield before we came down oh. to Glanmire and... Um, I went there because it was close where I was going to school. I was going to school in Christians in town. And I just get the bus up there every day, just work out for myself. Was, this was before all Instagram and all the taking selfies of yourself and all this kind of stuff. This was just strictly now just for me. And um, I suppose it was probably because I wanted some semblance of kind of control over my life as well, you know. And when I, when I started losing all the weight and stuff, I kind of wanted to, you know, I was getting fitter and I hadn't felt how it felt like to be fit, you know, like it's, it's so strange. Um, like lots of people, this will resonate with lots of people that are listening to this. Like, you know, before it, like people think, Jesus Christ, I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs and now I'm doing five Ks, you know, like these, these huge jumps um, in physical fitness, they're really exciting. Um, and it's because, you know, you don't really know like wh how far you're going to be able to push it, you know? And I suppose that's what I kind of, I've centered on that since the beginning of this since the very start when I was a teenager when I got fit I wanted to climb Kilimanjaro so I I raised money for charity I went over when I was 17 to climb Kilimanjaro and I was delighted and I got to the top after a really long climb and I um I I, I just when I got to the top and I and I and I reached that peak it was like 
euphoric. You know, I was on this huge high. But actually, that was probably the first time after I got back from Kilimanjaro and I was back into the normal humdrum of life and I was in my leaving cert year. Normality in my life. Sorry, there's something going off here. Yeah, right? it, uh, it's it's um, Siri. It is, yeah. Um, so when, when I got back from Kilimanjaro, I kind of had this, uh, you know, it was like a hollowness. Um, I had reached this huge feat, like the climbing to the top of Africa, and then I was back down to normality. And, and that's kind of how my life went. It was like I was on the top of a mountain, or I was down at the very, very bottom. And that kind of followed me throughout my 20s and, and even into Thai boxing. Because when I came back from Kilimanjaro, I was searching for this next thing, this next thing that was going to fill this void, this need for me to see what I could do physically. And I found Thai boxing and it was just like the minute I stepped in to the gym, I just knew that that was it. Like that was the thing that I wanted to do, you know. Um, I, I was in Siam Warriors gym in Cork and I just, I walked in when I was 17. I was in my Christian uniform. I still remember it walking inside in there and I just getting hit with this like burst of like smell of like hard work. It was like sweat, blood. And it was, you know, it was just, it was like something out of a Rocky film. Like, you know, I'd never seen anything like this before. And I was good at it straight away. I'd done a bit of British boxing as well, just a normal boxing before for about six or seven months beforehand. So I could throw a punch. And I had done Taekwondo kind of all the way up in, in through my younger years and, and got more serious as when I lost weight and I, and I got fit. I got more serious into that. And when I got into to Thai boxing, it just started to make sense for me. And it just engulfed my life just completely took over my life i just became you know uh, eat breathe sleep everything to do with thai boxing and it took over my life not only that it was like something that i did it was who i am it was who i was and it just took over my whole identity you know and that's a very dangerous thing and and, and i kind of it came to bite me in the ass later later down the line um but basically i was it was it was exactly like the kilimanjaro thing with fights i would go on to this huge high this huge thing leading up to fights i'd have this huge focus and i'd have this great thing to focus on and i'd win the fight and i'd stay up there and i'd keep climbing up and then i'd and then i'd go back down again into this kind of like you know i had nothing to stimulate me i had nothing to drive me i had nothing in between it was just going from a fight to fight from event to event and um i had nowhere to just be I was always on this kind of upward, downward kind of a scale. And I got my dream in 2013 after about five years of Thai boxing and kind of fighting my way through the ranks. I got the opportunity to fight for an Irish title. And I, and, uh, I ended up actually getting knocked unconscious in the last minute of the last round of this fight. And it was how, like... How, how was the fight going, <laughs> honestly? It was, it was an absolute war. It was incredible. Um, yeah. Look, to be honest with you, I don't know whether I would have won or not. Um, I felt like I had a good chance of winning or whatever mm. the game may be. But it's, it's kind of one of those things where I've hung up on it for years. Um, and to whether I was able to actually... Re be, I, 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 through my time and discovery of my own kind of... Um, my True mental health and true kind of discovery through myself and true ultra-endurance, I've kind of become very, very comfortable with it. And I've been comfort very comfortable with dissecting it and going over it and forgiving myself for things that happened in and around that time. And uh, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I could have thought about it two ways. I could have thought about it the negative way and the positive way. And I thought about it the negative way. And that was just the way it went. I just thought about all the negative sides of it. Um, and basically my kind of Thai boxing kind of career, my dream kind of died a bit that night. It was like, it hit me so heavily that I just didn't have the resilience. I just didn't have the resilience to like pick myself up and dust myself off. I, I, I did in a way, I, I fought on and I, I've actually fought on a couple of more times after that. But my love was just gone for me and really like, you know, it was just like, you know, and then after that, I just kind of went through this period of, being a normal 20 something year old or, or, you know, being in my early twenties, you know, I had never like, I never went out drinking really. I had never been on any leave and start holiday. I'd never went out rag week or freshers week or college balls or any of the normal things that people do of my age. So when Thai boxing was kind of gone, I was like, 
let loose. I was like unleashed onto this life that I had no idea about of like drinking and smoking and chasing women and doing all the things that you shouldn't, you doing all the things you probably should have done, you know, since you were 19 or whatever. And, you know, and I drip fed yourself. I just, I just hit myself hard with it. And it was like a baptism of fire, you know? Um, and in and around that time, I got a job that was paying me an awful lot of money. I was selling cars and I was getting loads of money. And I, all I could do was spend it on stuff that I didn't really need, drinking, smoking, just, you know, gallivanting. And the kind of, the kind of up and downs really took its toll on me um, again. And it was, there was, a, again, there's no place to just be. So how I found running was... I kind of wanted to try and get back to being some kind of a sportsman, being some kind of an athlete. And I felt like, you know, um, I had been told that uh, the reason why I didn't go back to Thai boxing was I had actually gotten a, a head injury. Um, and I was told by my doctors, I had a scan on my brain and I had a benign cyst in my brain. Now it's completely, it's completely harmless, really only that you probably shouldn't like voluntarily get kicked in the head. Yeah, for me. Uh, you know, so I just basically was like, well, do you know what? Um, runners don't get kicked and punched <laughs> in the face very much. Let's do that. And um, I'd always been good at running because, you know, you run as part of boxing training, you know, and I was always kind of fairly okay at it. So I said, do you know what? I'll give running, you know, lash. And um, I signed up for the Cork City Marathon and it kind of it kind of went from there, really. Um, it didn't really, it, it, it happened in 2018, really, that I decided to kind of make running a sport, but it didn't really get serious for me until the next year, really. So it's only like a year and a half, realistically, that like two years, maybe Max, that you're, you've been kind of competitively running like. Yeah, it hasn't been two years since I ran my first marathon. Um, it'll, be, it'll be two years in um, June that I'll have done my first marathon. That's some going. Uh, to be where you are, go to be looking to do what you're going to do, which we'll discuss more. In detail. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things you mentioned there, uh, I've listened to a podcast you were on before and you, you said something about being on Kilimanjaro and uh, the lead, the guy that was leading you was just basically telling you, you have two options to either get a helicopter or put one foot in front of the other and you chose yeah. one foot in front of the other. Like, you know, mentally, if you can think back to then, like, you know, what, what gave you that to decide? You had the option to escape and to get out and you, or else it was go. Like, what, what made you get up and go? Um, it, it wasn't me really that made me do it. It was like, I was just spurred on by the thought of trying to tell my dad that I was like 300 meters from the top and I didn't get to the top, you know? Yeah. And like, you know, that when you're 17 and like my dad was a soldier, I wanted to be a soldier at the time. I wanted to be in the ranger wing. I wanted to be in the special forces. Like I, that's all that was in my head. Um, when when your dad is your hero and your dad is like the pinnacle of where you want to be, it's like I just couldn't have faced coming home and saying, you know, oh, I got I got three hundred meters from the top, you know. So I said, God, fuck this, I'm gonna just put one foot in front of the other and just keep moving, keep moving. I was actually I whenever I get like really deep into like really hurting and really suffering an awful lot, I kind of um. I not really like I kind of hum in a kind of a way it's like it's kind of a groan and a kind of a hum and it kind of started from there even when I was Thai boxing and it was getting really hard and training was getting hard I kind of uh, I kind of started like humming and and things like that. and I still use that in um in in like ultra running and stuff like that and it's it's actually proven no no since since all of this and I've never really kind of uh, and I never thought about this before but um, since that I, you know, I kind of made this kind of a discovery. It's actually a way of actually calming and soothing yourself. Is the hum, is the is the send vibrations through your body. And I started doing that, man. I put put one foot in front of the other, and the next thing I was on the top of Kilimanjaro, and all of the pains, all of the nausea, all of the sickness, everything was just gone, just washed over me. You know, it was just yeah. completely. It was completely kind of, um, you know. It, had to have been mental there was no yeah. physical change yeah. if anything i got worse because i was getting higher i was getting you know in into further into altitude mm. so it was all in my brain and, and that i really fed into that as i thought about it more as well That's awesome and you touched on something that really kind of hit me as you were speaking was this up and down uh high and low of say especially when you're in toy boxing of like you're up here preparing for a fight i can definitely relate to that in regards just myself when i was playing sport like matches and training or my thing 
uh, you know, and then getting injured really trying to plummet me, to plummet me down. I was like in a bad place for a few months, realizing, Jesus, I can't play a sport anymore. You know, I think from a client point of view, people listening to this, what I've also seen is a lot of clients who set themselves a really what they see as an important goal. So, like, forget about general weight loss. I remember, like, you're setting yourself the pinnacle of your goal, and when they reach that and they have nothing for after that goal, I actually see a drop in in them as a person. They really kind of hit some 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 lows. And I think is the thing there that you kind of say to somebody: keep chasing goals, or you know, or not make this thing the most important thing. It's it's a very tough one. I what I wanted to do when I kind of really gave ultra endurance a shot was I didn't want like external stimulus to be the only thing that drove me forward. Now, like I can say that all well and good, but I generally like to have things happening, you know, at at all times. Like, you know, I wasn't able to do project 32. So now I'm doing challenges every day of this month. It's go- what I'm going to try and do when I finish this up, because this, this is another test for me, really, is when I finish these challenges on the 2nd of May, I'm going to try and actually have no event, no anything, no nothing, no, nothing to, to basically have my focus on. Because I've tried that so many times, is to have like an external stimulus that would get me to do something. and. I've had that before and I've had that during this time of ultra endurance. Yeah, for sure. I've had races and I've had all that kind of stuff, but I've what's, what's changed now is it's not purely about the external thing. It's not purely about the event because I ran it. I ran a 200 mile race there in May of, of 2019 and I finished that up and all I could think about was I had nothing to I had nothing planned or lined up for after that race, but yet six days later I was training again. Yeah. You know, because it was not coming from the external, it was coming from internal, it was coming from me and my want and my desire to live the way I wanted to live, really. You know, like and and to actually just to have the lifestyle that I wanted to 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 have. And that was it. And there was no nothing else stimulating me. There was nothing else like driving me to um, to do this. Only my own want and desire to, I suppose, get the best out of myself. And I think, I think yeah. like you said living, you know, the way you want to live is a really big thing there. Because if you set a goal of a way you want to live, then everything you do in your days is going to be towards that. Whereas if you just have, I'm going to train my ass off for this one specific thing, and that's finished then you don't have that, that reason to keep training or keep looking after nutrition. I think it's like, I think it's very much, um, it's very much mental in that um, the physical manifestation of these things. So let's say, right, um, someone is training for a marathon and they put six months training into this marathon and then they have the marathon. It is perfectly well and good to like take a week or two weeks where you do absolutely nothing. That's different. But if you, if you're not at least half thinking about getting back into training after a week and a half, then you kind of have to really think about, is this a lifestyle or is it an event? Do you know that that's the yeah. thing, you know, it's like, it's, it's about the mental cues. It's about the mental aspect of it. So like for me, I probably shouldn't have been back training after six days. I don't after, think so. No, oh, I, I, probably, I probably shouldn't. And, and I, I literally only went into the gym. I did very little. I did nothing really. I, I hit the bag a bit in the gym. I did a few stretches and that. I did very little. It absolutely killed me because I was in such bad shape. But what it was kind of doing for me more so than just the action of going into the gym was it was letting me know that this wasn't some sort of track that I was on that I could fall off or I could fall back onto. This was my life. This was my lifestyle. This is the way that I wanted to live my life. And, that, and that's what I was telling myself. And that's what I was subconsciously kind of letting myself uh, tell myself was that you're back in here after winning a 200-mile race. Six days later, you're in the gym just loosening around. Just to be in the gym. Just driving over to the gym and getting my gear on and, and going into the gym. 
it doesn't even, it doesn't even matter what I did inside in there. It was just letting me know that the 200 mile wasn't the be all and end all. It wasn't the biggest thing in the world. And it wasn't what, you know, this whole thing was leading up to. It was like, that was kind of almost the beginning. That was like, you know, me just dipping my toe in really. Well, taking a nose. Yeah, exactly. Plunging, you know, and and that's the difference. It's like, it can be an event. It can be an event. and, And, but it's the mental thing. It's the mental side of it. Is it? It's when you finish that. Is it like, oh, thank God, that's done, or is it okay? That's done now. I'm. I really much enjoyed it, and you know, how are we able to build on this? How are we able to push ourselves forward in a positive way? And that's. I think like people probably listen now, and they're probably just still grasping that you said you ran two hundred miles. So we're going to go back, and we're going to build up to how that happened from a marathon two years ago to. 200 miles and if people if you can probably explain it better but the 200 mile race if I'm correct you are the second man in history to finish the race in under the 60 hour mark and the only entrant to finish that year if I'm correct yeah that's insane that's insane so like for you to be on about going back into the gym six days later like you know how did you go off how did marathon to 200 mile how did that happen? And like, how did you feel in say the marathon to the Connemara 100 to the 200 mile race? How did, did you feel as tired and sore in each race or was the 200 the absolute worst thing you've ever done? The, 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 still the worst one is the first ultra I did, the 100 miler. That's still definitely the worst, pain-wise. Definitely pain-wise. In terms of, well, basically how it happened was I kind of half-trained half kind of drank myself towards the first marathon. I kind of, you know, trained during the week, maybe three, four times. And then I'd, you know, go on the lash for two days or three days. And then, you know, I might get back. I might take a week off training. And then I'd, you know, then I might not drink for three weeks and train for three weeks. And, you know, that's the usual way it is. And, that, and that's the, the way it is for a lot of people. And um, I, I, I went to, I, I, you know, I got myself into fairly good nick for the marathon. And I, I did my first marathon, the Cork City Marathon. I got it. I did it in three thirty-eight, which is not a bad time, not a good time. It's a fairly, you know, it's middle of the road yeah. time. And I, um, I just completely lost everything that that day. It, it you know, and and people say like, Jesus, that's weird. Like, you know, it's your first time ever running a marathon. It's your first ever marathon. It should be like this huge kind of momentous occasion. And it was, it was a great achievement. I started bawling, crying when I, when I, when I, like, you know, when I had, I had that great time, that great memory, you know. But then I went out and I got absolutely langers that night. I woke up, I barely knew what was after happening for that day. You know, it was like hydration, that key there. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to rehydrate. Yeah, with pints of Guinness. I basically was like, I basically just, you know, I woke up the next day and any bit of achievement they had was just gone and I and I really kind of like I, I kind of fell back into normal kind of routines of life and then about three weeks later I was after like in the meantime I was after watching um, the Joe Rogan podcast with David Goggins I've been told to check out this guy David Goggins by my friend because traditionally I was actually I was an incredibly hard worker in terms of training in terms of like tra- prepping for a fight like I was notoriously a hard worker, a hard trainer. And um, my, my, my friends were like, oh, you'd love this guy, David Goggins, you know, um, you know and, and all the stuff that he's about. And I did, I really liked his honesty about the times in his life where he didn't give a shite and where he didn't care about his life. He took the easy way out. He took the get out of jail free card and all of those things because I did that. You know, I had done that so many times that when I heard him say that, I was like, you know, maybe I can, you know, maybe I can get myself back. Like, you know, like I had this kind of Phoenix rising from the ashes type thought, like, you know, and I, 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 I was kind of, I was completely and utterly motivated. And I mean, motivated, not inspired because when you're inspired, you kind of look at yourself and you look at what you're going to be able to do. Whereas when I was motivated, I was just motivated to be like David Goggins. And uh, I was sitting down in, I was sitting down in the elm tree with my buddy, we were having a carvery. I was sitting down, I was chopping up my meat, and I was like, here, do you know what? I wonder, is there a 100-mile race in Ireland? Like, you know, maybe we should do, you know, maybe we should do one. And, like, my, my mate was like, yeah, boy, he was well into David Goggins, well, and he was checking his phone, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. There's one in seven weeks. I was like, book it there, we'll do it. 
And, I, and, and he was like, what? Like, he probably expected, like, you know, a 100-mile race maybe, like, you know, next year, yeah, like a yeah. year down the line or whatnot. I was like, no, nah, we'll just, let's just do it. So I did, like, actually do, like, seven weeks of hard training, you know, really hard training and, and, um, and kind of get myself back up in the thing. But, like, I was so, this is kind of how stupidly kind of, like, foundationless confidence I had in myself was, the week beforehand, like I went out and I was drinking pints of Murphy's and I was smoking cigarettes like a week before the hundred mile race. Like this is, this is the kind of like, you know, crap that I had, I had kind of been feeding myself was I've done a marathon. It's just four times a marathon and uh, I get 30 hours to do it. I'll be grand. <laughs> Little did I know it was going to break my soul doing the, the hundred miler. We showed up to the 100 miler up in Connemara and we were basically laughed out of there. Like, as in, you know, the, 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 the people that were organizing it at the first checkpoint, it was 28 miles to the first checkpoint, so just over a marathon. And they were like, lads, don't be keeping us out all, all night now. Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to drop out now, drop out early. Like, you know? <laughs> and we were like, oh, we were like, fuck you, man. We're going to, you know, we're going to do this. Like, we had this, I don't know why we had this. I think we had this confidence because we knew we were stubborn. Like that was one thing that we had. And I still have it like to, the, to this day is this stubbornness in me where I'm just like, I won't. It's like, um, it's like you're squeezing a lemon and you know, there's more juice in there, you know? And you're like, oh, I'm going to get every, every single drop out of it. And that's what it was. It was like, that's that, that mentality was still down there. It was deep down there and it really had to be dug, dug out. And so I dug out, I dug through, and I really, really put myself through hell, really, to be honest with you, to, to cross the line. And, and I finished the 100-mile race with two hours to spare. And I was, like, I was, like, in a world of hurt that I've never been in since. And, like, really, really have never been in since. I've actually hurt more because I went back and I did that 100-miler again as well. And I've hurt more in those two separate 100-milers than in the 200-miler. Really? The 200 miler wasn't on road; it was on trail, so it was a bit more forgiving on the joints and on the on the kind of um, on the like the knees and the hips and the ankles. Um, and but what really got me in the 200 miler was well, basically, right? I'll, I'll I'll follow through into the 200 miler because the 100 miler finished, and it was the same as the marathon. I completely fell off, no motivation, just started drinking and smoking and back into normal routine of things. And from August to when I finished that 100 miler to December 31st, it was probably one of my darkest times, actually, really, in my, in my 20s, in my memory, really. Um, and I, like one of the times that I really abused and, and uh, kind of uh, leaned on alcohol quite a lot. And uh, it kind of culminated in this kind of a first of January kind of a, you know, man, we need to get a fucking grip. You know, that kind of talk to myself, like, you know, and, and, and I've had those, I had those talks years and years, like for the last three or four years before that, I was having the same first of January, let's clean up our act type of talk. Yeah, yeah. But this time it was kind of, I don't know what it was. Um, I was at the end of my tether, man, you know, I really was, I was like, I really was done with, with like living my life, you know, in this kind of, I, I almost felt like I was on leash. And um, I could never like be free of like this this roller coaster. I I was on. I was. I had this ticket on this roller coaster, and I wanted to get off. And um, when I when I finished up that, I really had three or four days where I really was kind of trying to think about why. Not I wasn't thinking how I was gonna you know how I was gonna get my life on track, how I was gonna change. And I, and I, and I know that I've said this before to people, you know that it's it. I started to ask myself, why, like, what, what, like, why do you want to keep going when, you know, cause I believed that I could do these things. I believed that I could do all the things that I've been doing for the last year and a half. I, I already believed that I could do that, that, that no matter what, you know, no matter what Conor O'Keefe was going to set his mind to, he would have done it and he'd have gotten it. And, and that was the thing. And I believed it, but I never left that guy hang around for long enough to see if he could actually do it. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, why do you want to kind of cling on to this idea that you can do these things when you never give yourself the real fair shake, like a real chance at it? And that's what I was kind of about was, you know, let's give him a fair shake. Let's, let's not slip off. 
you know, let's not allow him to slip back into this time. And then about three days into this kind of newfound um, invigoration, that same guy that I had the chat with in the elm tree said that he had signed up for a 200-mile race. And I was like, I'll run, I'll run it with you. And this was four and a half months now, right? From a guy that literally, you know, I put on about a stone and a half since the 100-miler. I had been drinking, I'd been high-stooling it, just whiskeys and Guinnesses and smoking cigarettes and chasing women and doing all those crap things in that meantime. And he had actually been training for another ultramarathon that he ran in December. And he was fit as a fiddle. He was on top form. And he was like looking at me, like thinking like, what are you on about? Like, you're not going to be able to do this, like, you know? And so when I started the train for that 200 miler, it was like, right, okay. Four months is not enough time to train a body to run 200 miles. And I don't think it actually is. Oh, but, it's my experience yeah, it's, it, it, it actually isn't. But I said to myself, it's probably enough time to train a mind that could run 200 miles. Because I wasn't fit enough to run 100 miles, but yet I still did it. So I was thinking to myself, okay, well, right. You have to put yourself into that. I remember mile 55 being the being the, the tipping point of this of the of the hundred mile race was was kind of whether when I was gonna either give up or I was gonna finish. And I remember that time and I remember the reason why I remember that time is because I've never had a time like that before in my life. Even in Thai boxing. And Thai boxing is an incredibly brutal sport. I never had that time where my body was just failing me. It was just like I could barely stand and I had 45 miles to go. And like I had so much ahead of me and I had so much, so many things telling me not to move forward that when I made that decision to move forward, I honestly think it was the best thing I've ever done in my life because I still look back on it right now this, to this day as that moment, even though I didn't know it then. I didn't know it then that I was making a decision that was going to change my life. It, it did. And even though I went back into normality and I went back into drinking and smoking and doing all of those things, that time can never be taken away from me. And that's what it was about. It was like, I had that time. Like when I was up against that much, like seven weeks training, 55 miles in, broken in half, and I had 45 miles to go. And I said, let's fucking do it. That time, no matter what, you know, happens after that, I'll always have that. I'll always have that and, that and that ability to reach inside me and pull something out. I always have that. And so I said to myself, we need to get into that place a lot more. We need to get into that place so many times that when it happens in the 200-mile race, and it will, and it did, that my body will let my mind take over. And my mind will, let it, will, will make sure that we actually are able to do this so that when it came, you know, 150, 160 miles in, when there was no other people left in the race now, it was just me. After 135 miles, there was no one left. And I had to finish this off on my own. And when it came, came to that point and there was, you know, I could have finished and I would have finished, you know, first. Yeah. And I would have, you know, I'd have done the most that year. Um, and I'd have, I'd have, you know, I'd have beaten all of my competitors. They wouldn't have, have ran as much as me. All of those things crept into my mind. But, but when, I, when, when it actually came inside my head, it was immediately met with, that's not what we're here for. You know, we're here to see what we can do, see what limits we can push here. And like I said that, like, you know, I didn't um, face the same kind of pain in the 200-mile race, but I faced a way, way, way worse enemy, sleep deprivation and hallucinations and not being able to actually control my reality that was like trying to control your own semblance of reality when like scientifically you are meant to um, you're meant to kind of uh, uh, enter a state of psychosis uh, like a mild psychosis after between 69 and 72 hours of being up and that's not even being active that's just being awake i was running like nearly constantly i had one half hour sleep nearly constantly for and i was up for about 67 hours so i was really really like at my wits end you know i was nearly three days into this and i was really and truly at my wits end at, at, at that stage and 
to have the ability to talk to myself. And that was, that's what's a huge thing. It's like, whether it's getting out of bed in the morning or whether it's doing a 200 mile race, the way you talk to yourself is incredibly important. And I started to talk to myself where I said to myself early, like 140 miles into this, well, that's not really early, but you know, like it was, it was still a lot to go. I said to myself, we're not going to leave and like, our own excuses beat us. So we're not going to leave the excuse of you're going to beat everybody if you stop now. You still have done the most out of everybody. So if you stop now, you're still, you know, you're still done fairly well. Um, you know, no one thought you were probably going to even get here anyway. You know, you could stop now and it'd be fine. Those never- conversations, like, because like, when you're saying them, I'm like, fuck me, they're, they're, they're the conversations that would make you stop. It's like, you know, Absolutely. I've beaten everybody, but that just shows that you were solely in this against yourself and not against somebody Absolutely. else. You know, I think that's the, that's the difference because I find it like, very hard to not. You're justify. You could. You, 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 it, people do this a lot in in way less extreme ways than that, but justify to themselves why it's Absolutely. okay. You know. Absolutely. That's that's the thing. It's like people say, "Oh, how do you you know how do you uh, stop when you know how do you keep going when your body's telling you to go stop?" It's not like you know, like when your body's telling you, like you know, oh, your legs are sore. You can understand that because you've been running for so long, right? So you know that while well, your body is telling you that, right? But it's the snaky way. It's the way that you don't even notice. Like that way when it says, oh, look, if you stop now, you'd still beat everybody. You'd still do very, like way better than you thought you were going to do. That's the way that, that makes you stop. Because yeah. that's comforting. Yeah. You know, that's comforting. That's, 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 you know, a warm shower and a bed. That's, you know, that's, that's really comforting in those times. And that's, that's telling you, like, you know, there's a way out of this, like, you know. Justification to yourself, like. Absolutely, you know. So I said to myself, like, you know, they said at this, at the race brief as well, they said, you know, we'll give you two or three hours over the time limit to finish if you need it. You know, if you needed 62 or 63 hours, we're not very strict on it. Mm. And we um, they'll they'll give me a bit of time to um to finish and i said that's not the race you know that's not what i signed up for and i said it to my dad like you know as soon as they said that to me at this when i was the only one left in the race I said look if you need another hour or two connor we'll give it to you and I, I i remember my dad was there with the water bottle i said right we're fucking finishing this in 60 hours and that's it you know like that's and that was the mindset that i was after getting myself in because i didn't want to give myself even that much of an excuse I like that much of a, a thing that will tell me that I can slow down or I can stop or I can take two or three minutes extra break or whatever the case may be because that's a slippery slope and that will get you to stop and that will get you to pull up. And, and that's, those, are the, those are the excuses that are really, really, they're very clever because they're rational. Yeah. They're rational. They're, they're really rational. They make a lot of sense. But in terms of trying to achieve anything that's worthwhile and anything that's hard, those excuses they have to be recognized and they have to be dealt with because those excuses are going to come up time and time and time again like really and truly like you know it's it's kind of one of those things where um, where you think you know like when you're in the mo- in the morning time right a lot of people when they start off these huge like life-changing lifestyle changes where they're like oh yeah I'm going to get up at six o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go training before work and they fucking haven't even went to the gym in six months right but now all of a sudden they want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and do this. I can guarantee people are listening to this, right? Cause this is a way of training it. And I've been here a billion times. This is why I talk about it. I don't talk about it on my high perch saying, Oh yeah, look at me doing this. I talk about it because I've been there a million times. I've set my alarm for six o'clock in the morning. The alarm goes off at six o'clock in the morning. I look at the alarm and I go, Oh my God. I set my alarm for eight o'clock. Boom. Back to fucking bed. Back to sleep. Because you're, you haven't trained the skill. You haven't trained the skill of get out of the bed. Do not listen to the excuse. Do not listen to the excuse of, oh, I've only four hours sleep or, oh, my, you know, my leg is sore, you know, when it really kind of isn't. It's just, a kind of an, it's just one of those excuses that, you know, like you could have a really, really good rational excuse like, oh, look, my, you know, um, I, I was up late last night finishing off a project and I didn't get enough sleep now to get up and do this. That's a rational, a rational thing, but it's going to stop you. Yeah. It's a rational excuse, but it's going to stop you doing it. And it's really clever. 
because it makes itself sound really, really, really practical. And that's the thing. And when, I, when, I, when people say it to me, like, you know, how do you get on this journey or whatever? It's like, I can't really say that, like, uh, you know, a way of, of, of transforming your mindset. That's something I was going to ask you is because people might see you and they say, and I've, got, I've gotten this in a certain like about positivity and stuff, like, oh, Connor has a really strong mindset. Connor is a very positive person. Connor is very resilient. It's like, you know, you, you didn't just, you weren't just born that way. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's been trained, but it's like, you know, there, there, there isn't just one manual of how to train your mindset or how to be more positive or how to, you know, people are kind of looking for that because they ask questions and there's a question here that has been asked about that, about, you know, mindset and stuff and how can you build a better mindset there's different ways and I think oh, life experiences is a big way to go like it's it's like any other skill right you have to draw upon it as much as possible right I, I like this is the way that I explain it and people generally tend to either get it or don't get it right so it's a skill that must be drawn upon so let's say you're trying to learn to juggle you throw balls in the air you're you're drawing on that skill to juggle and that's how you get practiced at it is because the more you draw on that skill the better you're going to get at, at balancing the balls in the air that's just the way it goes so when you are, are trying to build a better mindset and a better better resilience you need to draw upon that skill as many times as you possibly can because it's just like anything it's like you're learning a language you can't do a, a one-day course in french and then six months of nothing and then try and you know say everything in French and, and, and to talk about, you need to draw on your skills as, as often as you possibly can. So what I say to people is don't try and, you know, don't try and be like, you know, oh yeah, I, I haven't went to the gym in a year, but yet I'm going to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go smash out a two hour workout before work because you're just, you, that's not, that's like, that's like someone learning to juggle and instead of using, you know, apples, they're using flaming swords. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It, you know, you need to be able to train that skill from the ground up. So what I would say to people is, okay, um, let's say now someone's starting from the very, very bottom. Say to yourself, after work, I'm going to put on my runners and I'm going to, I'm going to walk the block. That's yeah. all you have to do. I'm going to walk the block, right? If you can do that, then see if tomorrow you can do the same thing. And the day after that. And the day after that. And then if, you, if you've gotten to that point where you're good with that, maybe you're going to walk the block twice. Maybe you're going to walk the block three times. And you're going to build up to those things. And when you build up that, and like people say to me, well, you didn't really build it up that way. It's like, I, I went through some absolute crap during that time. And it really, really pulled an awful lot out of me. But if I was going to go around it again, I wouldn't have just went up and down. I would have, trained it from the ground up and went upwards and fairly soon then after you've done your walk in the block and you've kept your word and you've you know even the days you get home and you're 10 hours in work and you had traffic on the way home and you feel really tired you still got out to do the walk you still walk the block that's huge because that's training that skill that skill where oh, Jesus, work was hectic and oh, there was serious traffic. Those, those excuses, you, you listened to them, but you didn't give in to them. And you, let, you didn't leave that stop you from doing what you set out that you were going to do. And I, and I mean, start as small as possible. And then when you get good at doing the stuff, then that's a bit more comfortable. Let's say you get really comfortable then with going, oh, Jesus, I couldn't go without the walk around the block then. Right. Let's say you get to that level of comfort with it, where you're like, you'd, you'd be pissed off if you didn't if you didn't do it. All right. I'm going to set out now. I'm going to set my alarm half an hour earlier and I'm going to walk the block before work. Or I'm going to walk the block two times, three times before work. Let's New challenge. Say, exactly. That's the challenge because you're now in a different zone of discomfort. You're in it. You're in it because you've become comfortable. In that, in that element, if, you're, if we're talking about Darwin and you're talking about evolution, we will evolve in really, really quickly to certain, certain situations. Like a 5K for me now, like if I'm, if I'm fully rested, I'm doing a 5K, like I could do it, you know, with my eyes closed because I've been through so many different layers of training and layers of running that I've trained that skill so much that it could never, no matter what, it could never get me out of my comfort zone.
I, ha I have to go do more. So when you get to that stage where, you know, you're, you're walking around the block and you're like, Jesus is grand, then get up earlier in the morning and do it. And then maybe start, try and get up a bit earlier and do it that bit more and maybe do 10 press-ups or something. Or do you know, in, it, it will fit to different things for different people. You know yeah. what I mean? You're talking about, because like, this is what it's about. It's like, this is a, not a one-size-fits-all. And it, like it's it, it depends on the different person, and and that's what I always say to people. It's like you need to train it like any other skill. If you're talking about a mindset, your mindset is like your bench press. You know, you're not going to you know just jump on and do a hundred kilos if you're doing forty. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to be able to just jump up that. You have to train it. You have to train the muscle, and you have to train your brain like a muscle, and that's what it is. And I've gotten to the point now where immediately when I think about not wanting to do something, I have to do it. You know, I, if, I, if I think for a second, like today I had to do 8K, I did, I did 66K run yesterday and it really, it took a lot out of me because um, I was carrying an injury into it and it, you know, it took a lot out of me. And I woke up today, now I was stiff and I was sore. I wasn't, you know, crippled, but I was stiff and I was sore and my stomach was really giving out to me because I still haven't really like properly hydrated um, back even from the level of dehydration, I got to, I, I skimped on my, on my hydration a bit and um, I'm kind of paying for it now, you know? So I had 8K to do today. I, and I just said 5K will never get me out of my comfort zone when I'm rested and all this. 8K took an awful lot out of me today because I had that huge run the day before and I gave a lot to it. But what I said was, when I got up was, I, I thought about all of the things that are going against me in this AK, it's like I'm dehydrated. You know, my 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 pee was really yellow. I was like, you know, I was really dehydrated. My 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 hips are really stiff and sore. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not really, you know, in the best shape for this. And immediately when I thought that, I was like, okay, well, we need to get ready and we need to go out ASAP. We need to get out and do it because you control it then, because a lot of these things will become huge in our heads over time. So like if we're if we're, that's why I always say to people like you know if 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 um like when you want to do these things when you when you want to do these things is when you're kind of out of the comfort zone when you're or when you're when you're in the comfort zone if yeah. you don't want to do them you're in the zone of un, you know discomfort you're in the, you're in your uncomfortable zone so when I, I was in my uncomfortable zone today and I hadn't even gotten into the run to the run yet I I didn't want to do it. And so straight away, I was like, I'm going to take control of the situation and I'm going to get my runners on and I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it. Because right then, when I put it on, it's just an AK run. Yeah. If I had waited till half four or five o'clock in the day, it would have built up so much in my head that it would have been way more than, than this AK run in reality was going to be. So I would say to people, just take control of the situations as, as kind of small, small tests. And it's, it's just about building that mindset is like, it's just like training any other muscle. That's what I would say to people that want to, you know, want to change their mindset about yeah. these things. Right, start yeah. small, start small, start with smaller amounts of discomfort and, and you build up. Speaking about discomfort, uh, mm. your 32 marathons in 32 days in 32 counties carrying 32 pounds. Where, yeah. where did that crazy idea come from? And the second question is, why PA the house? Why, 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 you, can, why you combining those two together? Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Like, I'm a generally, like, um, I think it's probably a good thing that I see things and I'm like, I want to do it and I can, I can do it, you know? And I, I think about all the, the possibilities and, and not the problems, you know? It's like, I think I'm, a, I'm definitely a solutions person and not a problems person. So when I saw, um, I saw the Iron Cowboy documentary and he did 50 Ironmans in 50 days in the 50 states and I saw like the, the real limits of human capabilities like when he was doing it and I was like, I want to do something like that because I saw the amount of people that he was touching, you know, with his story. You know, I saw the amount of people that were coming across his story and that were, you know, that were... Uh, we're looking at it and they could translate it into their own lives. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do something with every single county of Ireland. I was like, I'm going to do a marathon. So I'm going to do a marathon in every, every, you know, consecutively in every county every day. And I kind of thought to myself in a kind of another, another, it was another one of those times where I was kind of a bit confident. I was like, 
well, look, I'd do that. You know, I would do it. You know, I'd be, I would be able to do it. Um, I had done some um, consecutive marathons. I did eight marathons in eight days and stuff like that. And I actually found that, uh, which is actually fairly, you know, this is not just me being superhuman. This is like generally a kind of a, the way these things go is I was getting stronger with each marathon. Like my first two or three marathons were, more, were actually my slowest and they were my hardest. And they actually progressively got easier. And that's actually generally how these things generally go is they get easier as you go along and then you get, and then they'll get really hard again. And then you'll hit another, it's like waves and troughs. So I, I, I thought to myself, look, I, you know, the 32 marathons in 32 days would be really hard, but you'd be able to do it, Connor. You know you would. And so I, um, I said to myself, right, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to add that, that's going to make this, you know, like that's going to inject an awful lot of doubt and an awful lot of fear into, into what I'm going to do, but also has a representation towards the cause, Pieta House. And the reason why I chose Pieta House was because I didn't really know about them when I really needed them. So I, I really thought, you know, I, ne I never used the, um, I never used their services, but yet I really, like, I, I thought about multiple times about taking my own life and multiple times I've been on that. I, I, I'd been in that, you know, suicide ideation where I thought, you know, this was going to solve all my problems. And I could have used the help of Pieta House, but I didn't know the, I knew they were there. I knew their name, but I never knew the extent of their work, that they're hunt, that they're free that they have a 24-7 helpline that, you know, they, they, they'll help anybody from, you know, they've, they have helped people from the age of five to 85. They're, they do incredible work. And I thought, okay, well, I don't want anybody that was in my position to, to be in that position, to be in the position that they don't know about them. So I was like, I want to raise awareness. So I want to hit everybody. I want to get everybody that, to see me. So I want to, I want to go through all these different counties, but I want something that ties me to it and ties me to them. And so I said, I'd put 32 pounds on and I'd lose a pound a day and to symbolize the, the kind of the loss of this, of this negative, these negative thoughts, these negative feelings, and that people could actually see it as not only me losing it again and me losing these negative feelings again, because I've lost them. now. I've lost them now. I'm, I'm incredibly happy in my own life and I'm incredibly happy where I am and who I am. But no, I want to put it back on and I want to lose it with everybody. And I hope everybody kind of sees a bit of themselves in it as well. Because I, I don't want people to, to see me as the way I saw David Goggins at that time. I, I still really respect David Goggins, but I, I'll never try and be him again. You know, and I don't want anybody to be me. But what I, what I do want it, to, it to, to do is to start a conversation, maybe even a conversation within somebody's own mind within you know a conversation with themselves about their own lives and that's that's what this whole thing is about um, and i wanted to raise a hundred thousand euro because like just to talk the monetary terms it takes about a thousand euro for uh, a person to get um a, a full kind of a full um set of council uh, counseling services from Pieta house so i wanted to i wanted to help a hundred people i wanted to help at least a hundred people get those um get get that help so that's, uh, very that's amazing because it's going to be such a challenge and I suppose with everything up in the air at the moment you, you, know, you don't know when it's going to happen but like, I think it's very important for people listening to this podcast uh, to just get on board and, and help and they can donate on your page at the moment am I right in saying that? Yeah, yeah on, my, on my Instagram page they can, they can still donate they can click, you know, I think I'm on about 21,000 now at the moment because that's we've been doing to, to kind of um, get it up but uh, yeah look I, and I know as well Ian that you know look look, lots of people are you know in a, a different financial situation because of this um, so look if people want to if you want to, to enjoy the page uh, and if people want to, to donate even two or three or four euro to the cause everything is is, uh, is appreciated and the, the main thing is is that if people come onto the page that they feel like it's kind of a you know, it's a place where they can have a laugh, they can have a giggle, they can, you know, they can have a, you know, they can think about things and they can maybe get a bit of advice and, uh, and just, you know, have fun with it. Because um, that's what the whole idea about this whole thing was, was yes, it's a fundraiser and yes, it's trying to raise funds, but at the same time, it's about interacting with the people that are actually, that are actually, you know, um, taking part in, in, in following the page. So if you want to follow the Instagram page and, donate um to the cause it's it's fantastic
That's great. Connor, this is one or two just uh, questions that came in uh, when I said you were coming on. If you want to just uh, yeah. briefly kind of, I suppose you kind of half answered one. Uh, but it's like, how do you prepare for a long run? Was one question. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the way you prepare isn't probably the recommendation you'd give to most people to prepare. But like, you know, for someone say us normal folk, uh, how would you give them advice to prepare for a long run? Well, I've learned an awful lot of lessons uh, over the kind of two years that I have been running um, an awful lot of lessons. And it's kind of the only way to learn these sometimes is the hard way, you know, Um, like if you're taking typically, right. And this is the way that I've kind of I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit about it is like my yesterday's run was 66 kilometers. So it's about 40 miles or so. And. So like people say to me, say, oh, do you carb load or do you, you know, do you do carbs or fats or do you use gels and all that kind of stuff? I don't ever carb load. I never carb load. It's, but I'm not just doing it because it's what feels good for me. It's that the science actually shows that it doesn't do anything for you, really, you know, in, in terms of like loading up your body with these carbs. It makes me feel lethargic and heavy, really. So what I like to do is I like to keep an even balance of everything. So in the morning for the 66K run, I had eggs on toast. So I had proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, and loads of butter, loads of fat, um, and, I, and, I, and I had them just before. It's a nice, look, I've had it a million times over, so my body knows how to digest it, you know, so it's, it's, it sits well in my stomach. I, then I, I made a smoothie then because, look, when you, when you make a smoothie and you have, like, fresh fruit and oats and Greek yogurt in it on, all in, a, in liquefied form, it's much, far easier for your body to digest. So that's really good for while you're actually running. If you're doing these, if you're doing a very long run and you wanted something that's going to keep you going, the smoothies are fantastic because they're already basically digested for yeah. you and they're getting an awful lot of nutrition. But it also helps with hydration and it also helps with your electrolyte balances as well. So it's good for that as well. You know? So it's, it's, it, it does two jobs. And when I hit the marathon mark, I had a bowl of porridge. <laughs> so I had a bowl of porridge. Like I, you see, you have to train your stomach as well, just like yeah. anything else. Like I've, I've done an awful lot of training of literally just actually just eating while running, and uh, that's that's that has trained my my body to be able to digest it while I'm running. Someone might need a bowl of porridge, you know, if they've never done it before after thirty kilometers and try to run again, and they'll never get sick, you yeah. know. And that's the thing; it's it's just about that. So I had a bowl of porridge with loads of cream and loads of honey and stuff like that in it because. The honey is kind of giving me quick sugars, all right, even though I don't like gels. Yeah, gels okay. just wreck my stomach. And again, um, the science has kind of shown that uh, when you take on these sugars, when you take on these sugary gels, it doesn't really go to the, to the muscles. It goes to your brain. So your yeah. brain takes on these carbohydrates. And it's like, oh, my God, I'm full of energy. And then it kind of it overworks the muscles because the muscles think that they have more energy than they do. And then when you come to the other side of this insulin burst to your brain, your body's in worse nick than when you took it. So that's why I just shy away from them. I try and just take my nutrition naturally. So smoothies and stuff like that. Look, if you're racing and you're trying to go really fast and stuff like that, look, you're not going to be able to like, you know, stop and take a big smoothie and stuff like that. If you're, if you're going out for these longer runs, the, the nutrition and hydration is huge. So but I think, uh, for, as you said there, everyone should test their stomach uh, in absolutely. regards to their meals before any big kind of competitive run or run. They should know that they eat this this time beforehand. It doesn't cause any uh, digestion issues. So happy days. Yeah. Like I remember uh, like really early when I was training for the first marathon, I, I signed up for a 10K race with work. And... I had a, I, I went to the thing and I had a big, I, I don't know why I had it, but I had a big Baraka in a pint and I just, I just gulped it back before I drove over to the race. And when I got to the race, I, I, I ran and about 6K and I was trying to run fast. I just vomited everywhere. I vomited a Because I, I had never, I hadn't taken Baraka in months before that day. I don't know yeah. why I took it that morning. Do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah. that was a sign to me where it's like, Stick with your tried and tested. Stick what your body knows. You know what I mean? Yeah, very good. There was one there. No, I think your podcast is probably answered, I suppose. But it says, I struggle with my mind when running. I know my body can keep going, but I cannot seem to overcome my mind. How do you do it? And do you have any tips? So I suppose, how do you... Well, we know how you do it now, but like, do you have any yeah. tips for somebody? Uh, that might be in that situation. Um, it's like, I suppose, 
I was talking about this yesterday, like, because, you know, it might be positive or negative, but the weirdest shit ever goes through your brain when you're running, like, you know, like, when, I, when I'm running there now, when I was running yesterday, in the last, like, 20 kilometers uh, of the run, like, I, I was watching Tiger King for the last, like, two days, and I said, all I started th- thinking about was talking, like, Joe Exotic, and, like, all these different things would go through your brain, so it's just, you know, it's normal that things will go through your brain that will tell you to stop. Mm. Because, like, our, our brains are still 50,000 years old. So when, like, the reason, like, I couldn't sleep last night because my brain thought that I was in survival mode. It thought I was trying to survive. That's why I was running so much, you know. So it was still, my heart rate was elevated. My adrenaline was still kind of a bit pulping out of, uh, uh, pulsing out of my kidneys and stuff like that. So your brain is telling you to stop because it's the natural kind of thing course of things you know you're not running from any danger so when you are running it's very much you have to be conscious you can't drift off you have to be there and you have to be in the in the actual run itself so i would just start talking to myself use it as a kind of a people always talk about meditation and mindfulness and all that kind of stuff that can be difficult it's even difficult for me it's difficult for me to be you know just be my being my in my own thoughts and be myself but when I'm running, I'm able to do that because the, the, the kind of the, the, the busy body has calmed my mind. So I would just use it as an opportunity to just be on your own, to be out there and be running and be in it and not trying to escape from it. And if your body can keep going, it's not your body that's telling you to do something, to, to, to not do it. It's something in your brain that's telling you to stop. Um, so it's something that's worth probably trying to figure out because it could be something that's actually specific to you it's yeah. you know might not be this might be not be a, a thing that's going to be applicable to everybody but it might be something that's particular to you and it's worth thinking about that it, it becomes that internal conversation which i think you've touched on quite a lot i think when people start having that uh we become a lot more mindful instead of mindless like you know and that that creates uh a kind of an awareness of what, what, what we're actually doing every day, you know. Uh, I suppose to finish up, the last one I'd be saying there is, you kind of touched on it again over the podcast, and just the current situation and people, again, from speaking to clients on the phone and stuff, some people are doing okay, some people are keeping busy and working away, other people are just really struggling to grasp the new situation, the unknown. Uh, like, do you have any advice for people who just are kind of, say maybe were training before, have just stopped training, kind of just not even getting outside, you know, because I've had clients who literally just don't want to get outside. Like, it's, yeah. a, new, it's a new unknown place we're in. Like, do you have any final advice for somebody who, who's struggling? Simplify. Make your life, look at your life in the most uncomplicated manner possible, right? Because, like, with Instagram and all that kind of stuff, and I'm one of them, I'm one of the people that's doing loads of stuff. It's doing loads of shit, like, you know what I mean? And people are seeing that, and they're going, like, why aren't I doing that? Why aren't I out there doing all these things? You don't need to. You don't need to do those things. What I say to people is, simplify it to the basics of life. So look after what you eat and how you sleep. Though, if you have those two things, like, and not even controlled, because look, I was up till like half one in the morning eating crap last night because I couldn't sleep after the run. So it's not about like, you know, being in the master and control of everything. It's about being aware of these things. So if you can be aware of the time you go to bed, the time you get out of bed and what you eat in between those times and, 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 and drinking. So like drinking water as well. If you, can, if you can be aware of those things, you're doing a fantastic job because a lot of people will find that it's it's a huge change up like it's a huge change up in lifestyle and everyday life you know i'm a very busy minded person a very busy person i like to be doing things so when you get the to a position or you know where all the things you used to do aren't happening anymore your gym is closed your work is closed you know you're not doing these things you're not going to school or college or whatever the case may be then you have to bring it down to the simplest forms the simplest things in life and that is your nutrition and your sleep the things you need to survive and that's what i say to people so simplify it if you can be aware of your bedtime and the time you get out of the bed which is just as important as the time you go in and your your food your nutrition and your hydration um, during that time you don't need to be worrying about anything else because when you get those two done 
You'll be more likely to be active. You'll be more likely to go for that walk with the dog. You'll be more likely to maybe go for a little cycle around your town. You're more likely to do those things because you'll feel better, because you'll have slept better and you'll have eaten better. So just get those two things, you know, an awareness of those two and everything else will move forward from that. That's fantastic advice, Connor, because I definitely think a lot of people do feel under a lot of stress and pressure by all, or, or ourselves included, we're uploading videos every day, but it's like, you know, if whatever's enough for you needs to be enough for you, and I think that's some really, really good advice. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed the podcast, and I've been listening really well, and I want you guys to get behind Connor, give him a follow, Connor, keep on Instagram, and make sure to donate to his unbelievable cause at the Ada House. Thank you so much. <laughs>